Seeing Double, Presidential Parodies and the Art of the Broadway Musical. This is Naomi Graber, Assistant Professor of Musicology at the University of Georgia, speaking for Tracks on the Trail at Georgia College. Picture this scene in your mind. American flags are strewn about a platform set with two podiums, and an audience sits wrapped with anticipation. A gentleman in a clean-cut suit steps out from behind a curtain, but instead of delivering a stump speech, he begins rapping. How does a bastard, racist, son of a millionaire and a mogul, dropped in the middle of a race of the Republicans in tatters, a party nearly shattered, somehow become the only one that mattered? The front runner. What you just heard is the beginning of Hamiltrump by the sketch comedy group Rad Motel. Hamiltrump parodies the opening number of Lin Manuel Miranda's Hamilton a Broadway musical that opened in 2015, which tells the story of the titular founding father. Like most comedies, the laughs in Rad Motel's sketch come from the disconnect between expectations and realization. Flags and podiums usually imply serious discussions and real policy platforms, not rapping and insults. But the presence of Hamilton also contributes to the comedic effect. Any audience familiar with the original not only hears the actor reciting the lyrics, but compares those lyrics to the real opening of Hamilton. How does a bastard, orphan, orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished and squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The $10 The racist billionaire Trump, Rad Motel implies, is the opposite of the scruffy but brilliant Hamilton. This comic reversal is at the heart of the satirical act of parody, an art that relies on doubleness. The audience sees and hears the original and its parody side by side in their minds, with the comedy resulting from the ironic distance between the two. Parody has a long history in electoral politics, and Rad Motel is not the only group who has found Hamilton a useful tool in 2016. A self-described bunch of millennials who have too much free time on their hands crowdsourced a Google Doc of an entirely new libretto to Hamilton called Jeb, an American Disappointment based on the Bush campaign. Comedians have also turned to other musicals to comment on the presidential election. Late night host Jimmy Kimmel reunited Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick of 2001's The Producers. The original show tells the story of two crooked showmen who raise $1 million by promising all of their investors a 50% stake in the show. Then they put on a $100,000 flop and try to run off with the extra money, but the plan fails when the show becomes a hit. In Kimmel's version, which he calls Trumped, two political consultants raise money for a terrible presidential candidate and plan to keep the extra cash when the candidate inevitably drops out. The candidate, of course, is Trump, and the consultants are left in the same lurch when his campaign takes off. 
Musicals in general are good raw material for parody because they also rely on a kind of doubleness. In musicals, the story is both depicted in the action and then retold through the songs. This doubled narrative allows characters to explain their thought processes to the audience, to tell rather than to show. There's no business like show business. From Annie, get your gun is a good example of this kind of number. In both musicals and their parodies, this allows the author to highlight the ridiculousness of the characters' actions. What seems to be a logical sequence of events, if looked at one by one, appears utterly ludicrous when taken as a whole. It is no coincidence that the number from the producers that features most prominently in Trumped. Is the beginning of "We Can Do It." Don't you see, Bloom, darling Bloom, glorious Bloom? It's so simple. Step one: we find the worst play ever written. Step two: we hire the worst director in town. Step three: I raise two million dollars. Two? Yes, one for me, one for you. There's a lot of little old ladies out there. Step four: we hire the worst actors in New York and open on Broadway. And before you can say step five, we close on Broadway, take our two million, and go to Rio. Rio? Nah, that'd never work. Oh, ye of little faith! In Trumped, this step-by-step -step plan for defrauding investors is transformed into a step-by-step -step plan for defrauding political donors. They were a pair of political consultants who needed a break. That's it. We're finished. Through. Kaput. Uh, don't say that, Max. Let's face it, Bloom. We haven't had a winning campaign in years. Ugh. Max, do you realize that under the right circumstances? It might be possible for us to make more money from a losing candidate than from a winner. What did you just say? First, we find a bad candidate, then we raise money like crazy, and we promise all the donors an ambassadorship to Italy or or Sweden or Armenia. Then, when the public figures out what a nutcase our guy is, he drops out of the race, and we keep all the dough. Oh, darling Bloom, glorious Bloom, you bloody oh, genius, uh, you Max, don't. Although in the parody version Lane and Broderick don't sing, anyone familiar with the original show would hear those flourishes in the background, adding an extra touch of silliness to the proceedings. Furthermore, in musicals, characters tend to sing their subtext. In other words, what characters sing is understood to be their true feelings, even if their actions outside of the song contradict their lyrics. This works well with the idea of parody, which often makes the subtext of the original into the text of the new version. When applied to presidential candidates, this allows authors to play on the idea that music equals truth, and so by singing, candidates seem to reveal their true intentions beneath the political doublespeak. For example, in Hamiltrump. One narrator comically explains the candidate's strategy to win the presidency. Scamming for every vote he can get his hands on. Planning for the White House, see him now as he stands at the Capitol building with a Bible in hand. Make America great again without a real plan. Make America great again with just real plans. To return to the idea of ironic distance in parody. This works well with the larger concept of the musical itself. Both historical musicals like Hamilton, 
and backstage musicals like The Producers are often retellings of the Cinderella story. Whether it's a chorus girl made good in 42nd Street, or the unknown immigrants rise to power in Hamilton, or even a contentious group of colonists becoming a nation in 1776. When a form that usually glorifies this pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstrap story is applied to the lives of Trump and Bush, two very wealthy men, hilarity ensues. But this disjunct between form and content also comments on what type of people our culture now considers heroes. Each of the backstage and historical musicals mentioned above reimagines the American dream to suit contemporary audiences. As Mark Roth observes, in 1933, 42nd Street emphasized New Deal-era cooperation. And Alyssa Harbert notes that the class and racial politics of the 1960s inform many aspects of 1776. Hamilton's hip-hop-infused score and multiracial cast emphasizes the melting pot and immigrant sensibility of the 21st century. So putting the very wealthy and very white Bush or Trump at the center of such a show points out the irony of what kinds of people our contemporary culture makes into heroes. Indeed, in Hamilton, the title character declares that Just like my country, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, emphasizing the classic vision of the American dream. But the nation as embodied in the milquetoast version of Bush in Jeb is not young, scrappy, and hungry, just excitable and jumpy, ready to latch on to the next celebrity who comes along, no matter how unworthy. The ironic distance in Trump works slightly differently. Kimmel's version of the producers draws similarities rather than differences between the devious scheme at the heart of the original show and what Kimmel sees as the disingenuous nature of Trump's campaign. We all hope that the electoral process is populated by serious people who genuinely want to serve the nation, but Trump portrays the political world as nothing more than theater a medium that depends on people pretending to be something they're not. The ironic distance isn't between the parody and the parodied, but between the performance and how we hope the world really works. The musical styles of Hamilton and the producers also reinforce this ironic distance. The Ten Dual Commandments from Hamilton is a good example of how this works. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the Ten Dual Commandments. It's the Ten Dual Commandments. Number one. The challenge demands satisfaction. If they apologize, no need for further action. Number two. If they don't, grab a friend, that's your second. Your lieutenant, when there's reckoning to be reckoned. Number three. The original song from Hamilton is based on the Ten Crack Commandments by the notorious B.I.G. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, it's the Ten Crack Commandments. Why? Uh, uh, man, can't tell me nothing about this coke. Uh-huh. Both Miranda and Biggie describe the rules of a dubious but sometimes glamorous illegal activity with a laid-back, 
confident delivery over the slow, boom-bap beat that is associated with classic gangster rap. All musical signifiers of coolness, power, and control. In Jeb, this is revised as the Ten Debate Commandments, throwing into sharp relief the fictional Bush's timidity and dorkiness. If Hamilton and Biggie are gangstas in both the good and bad sense of the word, Bush is most certainly the opposite. In Trumped, the closing number of the sketch, which was newly written for Kimmel, also draws on musical style to make its point. We needed a chump to put on the stump. A frumpy, grumpy, jumpy named Donald A. Trump. He's the song practically screams Broadway, with its rapid strings of internal rhymes, syncopated horn parts, and shimmering hi-hat percussion. From the producers of the producers comes the movie that'll make America great again. Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, and Cloris Leachman star in You've Been Trumped. Trumped. These musical characteristics combine with the showgirls and jazz hands to emphasize the cheap theatrical qualities of Trump's candidacy. And they reinforce Kimmel's message that Trump is a phony candidate who entered the race for money and attention. Politics, he implies, has sunk to the level of showbiz. But with apologies to Kimmel, electoral politics are often as much about theater as they are about policy, as candidates try to grab the attention of the electorate in order to spread their message. The fact that we've seen an increase in the use of Broadway musicals both by candidates and the electorate speaks to the heightened theatricality of this particular election cycle. The most theatrical of these candidates is definitely Trump, and now that he has clinched the Republican nomination, history certainly has its eyes on him. Maybe in 200 years we'll see a musical about his candidacy. Knowing history has its eyes This is Naomi Graber for Tracks on the Trail at Georgia College. History has its eyes Tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory.